I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. The, the podcast. podcast. My favorite and I'm part. Not Theo. I stepped on your line. It's okay. We're allowed to do that in this podcast. I'm not Juliet. And we're not. I don't know what. We're not running around getting COVID anymore. No, because I'm <laughs> negative. Because I don't know how to test myself apparently, and so or over the counter tests suck. And oh well. Yeah. And I'm so done with COVID. I don't even care. Yeah, uh, everybody I know has COVID, it seems like, except for you. You're like the only person that I know that doesn't have it. Who thought he had it. You and Michelle are the only two. Uh, Everyone else in my family and everywhere else has got it. So I'm I'm staying home trying to avoid getting sick because I don't like being sick. And I also don't want to spread it to other people who would get sicker than me. Um, But other than that, I'm totally done. I'm done with COVID. I'm done with people. I'm done with life. Okay, well, wow. (laughs) Problem solved. I know. That's the key to happiness. Just be done with it all. I saw a TikTok where it was a guy um, representing the last three years of COVID. So he was um, doing like COVID in 2020 and uh-huh. COVID response, really. And uh-huh. so um, have you seen it? No. Okay. Because if you had, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I love that one. Um, so it starts off. He's COVID 2020, COVID response 2020. And he's suit and tie buttoned up. And he's like, if you're exposed, you must stay inside for 14 days, blah, 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 right? All the regulations. Uh And then for 2021, his tie's a little loose. His suit jacket's (laughs) unbuttoned a little bit, but he's still pretty, pretty together, right? And he's like, all right, if if you've been exposed, really just um, stay safe, stay inside, wear a mask. We're looking at about maybe five days, maybe 10, right? And then he's COVID 2022. And like the jacket's all askew, the ties like ripped off his hair. He looks like he's been hit by a truck. And he's Uh, like, you're going to be okay unless they spit in your mouth. Oh my God. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Oh, if you catch COVID, we're talking about COVID. You only have to quarantine for five days and if you test positive you can go to work in three days if they like really really need you i can't believe any of that is allowed to happen i mean there are people who will still seriously get ill from covid but anyway i'm not going to go down that road i'll just frustrate myself and yeah right and so disappointed in humanity here's the thing right it's gonna happen there's no avoiding it not so much you getting covid or you know me getting covid but uh it's here we have to adjust to it it's not going to adjust to us uh-huh. But we've got tools now to cope with it better. Right. And right. so we've got the vaccines. There's medications. We understand treatment a little bit better. Things are scarce right now um, in terms of like monoclonal. And thank you. So I said it. Yeah. If you if you listen carefully to the replay of this, you hear I said it perfectly. Um, <laughs> you know, but they'll be back and it will all be fine. All right. Well, I'm going to hold you to that, uh, that it's going to be fine. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, no new uh, variants, please. Or weaker variants, please. Spread even or faster. And and yes. And so we'll get there. Um, the next six weeks are going to be rough. It's going to yeah. be a lot of like numbers, numbers, numbers. But so we'll let's see. not talk about that anymore. Let's talk about what's shaking bacon. What's shaking bacon? <laughs> I don't have a lot because I've been working. I got a job. And it's amazing how it interferes with your life. Um, Yes, it does. What can you do? True. So because all I could do would be complain about my job, um, it occurred to me, there's some, like, James is really into accents. Okay. And as a British person, he hears an American accent as an accent, not as the normal default baseline way of speaking, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, every now and then I'll say some, I'll pronounce a word and right. then he'll laugh and he'll maybe mock me a little bit. And I'm like, that's how the <laughs> word is, is said. 
right? Yeah. And then yeah. he'll give me his version of it. So let's take the word T-A-C-O, which is a food that we like to eat, right? How yeah. would you pronounce that word? That's a taco. Of course, it's a taco. Duh. Right? So, and that is the way to pronounce it. There is no other correct way. Oh, um, taco. That's just bad. I, agreed, right? <laughs> but that taco. Is, it's not T-A-C-K-O. Taco. <laughs> That's his preferred way of, of speaking. Um, okay, so this word, O-F-T-E-N, something that happens Often. many times. There's no T in it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, yes, okay, I'm glad we're in agreement on that. Um, and that James said that we would be because we have similar accents. We do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We have similar backgrounds. Like we were raised in Pennsylvania and then North Carolina and then... Oh, you know, I never connected those two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there you go. All right. And then um, the word, I use it upon occasion, right? Yeah. And it's the word C-A-N-N-O-T, all together. How do you pronounce that word? Cannot? Cannot. Exactly. Yeah. So every now and then he'll say something like, oh, uh, run into the store real fast. And I might say like, I cannot, I have COVID. Yeah. Right. And then he'll laugh and he'll be like, cannot. How does he say it? I don't think he says that word. (laughs) I think it's just always can't. Really? Yeah. So, uh, and I can't, I mean, how often do I say cannot? I don't know. Um, but I do know that when I say it in front of him, he catches it. I don't notice it. He points it out. Maybe it happens oh, five, ten times a year. I don't know. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, accents. His cousin in Scotland, not the one who came to visit us, uh, Margaret, but another cousin whose name I won't say because I don't have permission to say her name. Uh-huh. I was in Scotland and I was there for like, I don't know, two, three weeks. And after a while, the Scottish accent starts to become uh, the norm to my ears and so when I hear an American accent on TV, I'll be like, holy fuck balls. Do we sound like that? <laughs> you know, like a word like uh, B-U-T-T-E-R. Yeah. Um, when I, with newly adjusted ears, I hear it as butter. <laughs> and it's horrible. Horrible. I know. I know. So his yeah. cousin um, one night was like, oh my God, I love your accent. You're amazing. Please talk forever. And I was like, <laughs> you're in luck. <laughs> Let's go. I will. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> and so we're talking, talking, talking. And then um, later it occurred to me, she wasn't hearing, you know, the pleasant sounds of like uh-huh. a posh British accent, which is very uh-huh. pleasing to my ears, right? She was hearing... Gosh, little lady, you look amazing to my, you know, just like the worst ticky kind of thing. And it was oh, like, funny. man, all right. So American accents. Uh, and then James was right. You did pronounce everything correctly. Yes, absolutely. Is what I would say. Um, and then, oh, yeah. So the pod. Um, we are number 154 in comedy in the charts in Indonesia. No way. Yes way. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't go around and count, you Damn. know, everybody. But yeah, so hi, hi Indonesia. Indonesia. We love you. We love you. <laughs> 153 <laughs> times more than the number one podcast up there. Oh, um, yeah. Whatever that is. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, let's Probably see. Probably Joe Rogan or something. Oh, God. I can't. Don't even. Um, <laughs> there's a whole thing about how... Joe Rogan, um, how Spotify needs to censor, cancel, uh-huh. punish Joe Rogan, um, who has gone off on some Nazi right-wing march oh, God, down the really? roads of misinformation. And, you know, I mean, here's the thing. He wouldn't be doing that if people weren't listening. Yeah. So, you know, I'll say, I'm, I've never heard Joe Rogan podcast, right? I haven't either. I would not now, based on all that bullshit. Um, but it's like, it's not his fault. It's that people are listening and sure misinformation <laughs> well, might lead some people no down a rabbit you hole. Say people are going to listen. So, I mean, a case in they, point. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 154 baby. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I can certainly blame him for going down that rabbit hole. But, oh yeah. Me too. Uh, but I mean, listen to him or not. So yeah, he's not forcing people to listen to it. And if, right. if he had more listeners to left wing 
viewpoints, you'd have more of a left-wing viewpoint. I mean, you follow the money, I think, in the end is kind of that. So, yeah. Oh, it's speaking of podcast. I have to give sorry, all over the place because I literally did nothing other than work this week, like yeah. you. Um, yeah. Shout out to my friend Kelly Goodman, who just launched And Another Thing podcast. She's Very had cool. a YouTube channel for a couple of years, but uh, she's going down the podcast route and i heard the first episode about pop culture current events oh oh, that sounds great yeah it's uh her and her friend darcy who basically just they're both actresses they're both hollywood people they both have Mm -hmm. um uh i think both are la angelino natives but uh all that aside uh it's a really fun show. I've been enjoying it. Their first episode came out, and uh, I'm looking forward to working us onto their show. Oh, that sounds fun. That would be great. And we should have them on if it fits, if they have an apology to make. Oh, I'm sure. Or if they have, like, apology ideas. No, that's stupid. If it <laughs> have viewpoints around apologies. Oh, you know what? Uh, maybe we have them on a special guest when there's a big pop culture apology to thing talk about. that happens. There you go. That's a good idea. Yeah. We should do that. And then right. we don't have to do any research. We'll make them do all the research and come exactly. on. And then we'll pick it apart <laughs> and criticize them. <laughs> That's the easy way to do it. Yeah. I'm all for it. Um, cool. Yeah. So I guess speaking of podcasts, oh, what's shaking bacon? I did all the, I did all the breakfast eating well it's very little bacon shaken here <laughs> <laughs> oh one little strip of bacon and it's, it's not even real bacon it's like vegan bacon it's like bacon's the um although bacon's no bacon's are not real bacon anyway um i have like you said I have <laughs> when i was vegan i used to i used to need to know what was in everything so i do know that vegan people can eat bacon's um but other th- as you said, I have been doing nothing at all this week. I have been working, um, and uh, well, I did go. Okay, so I did go to the to the lab, which is very exciting. Um, so I am uh, in in the process of losing weight, and I am taking this drug called Ozempic, which is um, another version, sort of, of of a weight loss drug called Wegovy, which is really hard to get right now because everyone's trying to get on it and take it. Um, but to get on this drug, you have to go to, um, get some blood work done. You have to get your A1C checked and your blood sugar and some kidney function stuff and various other values need to be checked to make sure that you're going to be okay while you're taking this drug. Um, and so I did that. So I'm convinced now because I went to a lab where there were people probably getting tested for COVID that I'm going to die in a matter of days. So, um, all in the interest of losing weight, I might add. So that tells you how dedicated I am. Well, you're going <laughs> to die skinny. I think it's I'm, real. Right. <laughs> if I got to die, let it be at least thinner than I am now. Um, so I'll let you guys know how the drug works. It's working pretty well, actually. I've been on it for two weeks and I've lost about 10 pounds. So, um, which so is phenomenal. Good. And I don't have any side effects. I was reading on the internet that I was going to be nauseated and want to throw up and all this really bad stuff, but I don't have any side effects at all. So that's good. Um, the only thing I'm afraid of is that it might stop working, which would be a big bummer. But anyway, we'll see. Well, you know, I mean, here's here's my thing about, about weight loss, um, which is a new thing in my life because mm-hmm. I was always like 165 pounds, period. Just yeah, couldn't gain weight no matter what I did. Yeah. Um, I would have... Ice cream for breakfast, no problem. Wouldn't <laughs> oh, even man. think twice about it. Nice. Um, I could go two days without eating because food just was not a thing for me. Oh, I um, wish. Well, now it's very different. Yeah. And so uh, I have, and you know, me, 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 me. Um, what works for me best is working out with a personal trainer and being yeah. held accountable by another person, right? I see. So cool, but I've done drugs. Uh, well, yeah, I've done drugs, but also I've yeah. done weight loss drugs. And <laughs> my thing is, uh, when when you plateau and you hit that point, and yeah. it's like, okay, I guess these aren't working anymore. Look how much weight you lost. Yeah, you know, it's a jump start to get you to that point where now you've got it under control and you can carry it forward if you want to. Right, right. That's that's good advice. So hopefully it doesn't stop working, but I'll try to keep that in mind if it does. 
Well, if it keeps working, then you're going to um, share with me this program information, which you have given me, but I was like, let's see if she dies. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll take it. That's wise. I think I, I approve of that. So, yeah. Um, one of us. Yeah. So one at of a us time. will survive. <laughs> we're both not allowed to fly on the same plane. That's right. One has to... We're Neither of us are allowed to... We're not both allowed to fly on separate planes at the same time either. One of we're us must always be on the ground. <laughs> Keep the show alive. Keep the show alive. No no COVID. No, none of that. Um, so, yeah. So, that's my that's my what's shaking bacon. Um, Which is as, great. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's fine. We'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll just... Uh, I'll, I'll let everybody know as things progress. Um, but for today's podcast... Um, we are talking about something that has become very popular in recent weeks, Wordle. Um, Wordle was created by a guy named Josh Wordle. I'm going to have a hard time saying that. Um, Wordle. Wordle. He's a software engineer who lives in New York City, and he created Wordle for his partner who likes word games. Um, the game became popular among his family members, so he released it to everybody in the world in October. Um, it's a pretty easy game. I don't know if you play Wordle. Do you play Wordle? No. I do play Wordle. I've never um, heard of I've it. I've played it for not very long now, a couple of weeks maybe. But um, you you have six tries to guess a five-letter word. And, and it tells you, like, if you the letters you guessed are right or if they're in the right place or sort of sort of like that game Mastermind that we used to play when we were kids. Oh, I vaguely kind remember of, that. Kind of like that. Um, and you can only play once a day, which I think is the thing that keeps it kind of fun, but also kind of annoying because you can only play one game a day. Um, it, it's kind of like a, a, a five-minute break or whatever from whatever you're doing, and then you get to go back to whatever you're doing. So it's kind of cool. Um, Josh Wardle said, I think people kind of appreciate that there's this thing online that's just fun. It's not trying to do anything shady with your data or your eyeballs. It's just a game that's fun. And that's how I would describe it, too. Um, it has exploded in popularity, as I mentioned. Uh, when he released it to his um, to the world, it, it started with about 90 players in October. By early January, it had 300,000 daily players. And this past weekend, according to The Guardian, it had 2 million players. Wow. And it's, it's free, right? Like, you don't have to pay. It's completely free. Yeah. Does he have and ads in it? No ads, nothing. It's just completely free. You go to the, you go to a web browser. It's only available via a web browser. There's no app. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but you go to a web browser. There's no there's no ads. There's nothing. It's just very simple, very fun, very easy, very short. What are the words like? What's a typical word you might guess? Uh, one word a few days ago was panic. So it's just a regular word. Okay. <laughs> 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 nothing special about it. I mean, they're not particularly. Well, hard. I think panic might disagree with you. It, it's a rather special word. <laughs> a very special word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm important, Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what the word was today, but I got it in three tries, which is pretty good for me. Usually it takes me four or five. Um, it's always fun. Oh, yeah, I forget what it was. Um, so this guy named Zach Shaked um, created a ripoff of uh, basically the same game, except it was available uh, via Apple's App Store. And what he said about his decision to go forward and create this this uh, app was, here are my calculations. A, Wordle is a ripoff of another game. And by that, he meant this game. I think Lingo, I think that's called Lingo. It was a um Oh, there's a, a ton show. of different kind of word games that, that have been out and about. Uh, Lingo yeah. does sound vaguely familiar. Um, but okay, all right. Keep, keep going, Zach. Yeah. B, Wordle the word isn't trademarked, and there's a bunch of other unrelated word apps named the same thing. And C, wow, I'll hack together something on the weekend and see if I can make a buck. So he said that on January 12th. And um, later later on, uh, he mentioned that he had talked to Josh Wordle for over 30 minutes, he said, trying to convince him to A, he seems to like the ABC thing. A, let me pay a huge licensing fee, 100K plus. B, partner with me to develop the official Wordle app. Or C, send him a percentage of the proceeds. But Wordle wasn't interested. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, that is more information than I had in the article that I looked at. So, Zach, let me, I'm, we're going to track this for okay. me, right? Okay. So, Zach sees a, let's use some business terminology, a hole in okay. the marketplace. Okay. A vacuum in the marketplace. Something that's missing, which mm-hmm. is, oh, there's this great online, very popular game, but there's no app. And we all know that people are addicted to their phones and people have their games on their phones. And you could probably play Wordle on your phone through Safari or whatever. Yeah, um, you can. 
so cool. So Zach's like, yeah, I could piece this together. Hmm. The fair thing to do would be to reach out to the guy that created it and invite him right. in because I'm going to charge some cash. Right. Let me say that's a, that paints a very different picture of Zach. Uh, I was calling him shaked. But oh, really? I think, well, in my head, right? Okay. But also when I saw his last name, I got angry at God again for lazy writing because I was like, Oh yeah, Zach is shaked because everybody's mad at him, and it's like Theo, oh. you fucking moron. There's no word that's shaked. <laughs> the word is shook. Shake this is it. why I don't play the word game. Yeah, right. You should. It's fun. <laughs> and I would learn words. That... Try the app. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway. Um, so yeah. So, so he cool did talk to him. Wordle, Wordle, Wordle about it. Um, Wordle did Wordle. Wordle didn't want <laughs> to participate in Shakhead's. <laughs> Uh, big business plans. Why not? Did, does it say? Are you going to tell us? He just us? wanted to. He just made a fun game for his girlfriend or his partner or whatever, and and he just didn't care what. Um, he didn't want to have anything to do with making a business out of it. Um, Shaked, app was slightly different from Wordle's Wordle. Um, he offered a similar game with five, six, and seven letter words instead of just five letter words. You could play it more than once a day. Um. And charged an optional annual subscription uh, in order to play more than more than one game a day for thirty dollars. So it's a little bit pricey for an app. Um, thirty dollars. I mean, a lot of apps I see are like four bucks, two bucks, something yeah. like six bucks, something like that. Um, the clone that he created also saw an exponential rise in popularity, and Shaked famously boasted, "We're going to the fucking moon." Um, at its peak, it appears that Shaked's app had almost 50,000 people on its trial that would presumably have been charged $30 once it came to an end. So if my math is right, that's like a million and a half dollars that he would have made if, um, if all these people's trials had elapsed and the app had not been removed. Is that like real math or is that store. like Juliet math? That's Juliet math. Oh, okay. So it could have been so, 4 billion. <laughs> we don't know. Anything. There's no way it to know the number. <laughs> <laughs> But as I was alluding, um, Apple did remove Shaked's app from the App Store. Um, according to Apple developer guidelines, creators are encouraged to, quote, come up with your own ideas and cannot simply copy the latest popular app on the App Store or make some minor changes to another app's name or UI and pass it off as your own. So everybody got mad at Shaked for basically stealing Wordle's Wordle and uh, there, were, there was a tweet storm, all sorts of things. Um, people getting mad and talking about it. And Shaked responded by apologizing via tweets, which you now cannot read because he's he's locked his Twitter yeah. down to private, private or whatever, friends only, I don't know. And he said, I realized I crossed a line and I surely, surely will never do anything remotely close to this again. I fucked up. But... He added, this was the perfect storm to publicly crucify me for something that is common. In a week, my app would have looked totally different and had way more functionality beyond what original dude did. Getting mad that I charged a $30 subscription that thousands of people were willing to pay is just bananas. This is how businesses work. You charge money. If it's too much, people won't pay. In this case, many people were willing to start a trial. He also claimed he lost money on the app. Yes, I was really fucking excited when I saw how many downloads it was getting and how much money it could make. And in, in capital letters, I made zero dollars off it and actually lost money. So nobody got fucked here other than me. <laughs> uh, on January 3rd, he had tweeted, My 2022 resolutions, be more real, be more vulgar, make tons of fucking money. Amen, brother. <laughs> In addition, he griped, another thing I'd ask you is how do you feel about Apple unilaterally removing apps without any recourse? I spoke to lawyers, and the original creator's claim to Wordle was highly dubious. So yeah, he said that he was going to expand on Wordle with more functionality and change the design to look less like Wordle's game um, if he had been able to do so before Apple removed his app from the store. And uh, interestingly, in 2021, in June, he had tweeted, I absolutely despise copycats. Shameless copying is so dumb. Take inspiration from others. Why are they doing that? Why is this a good feature for users? How can we build on top of that? Shamelessly copy-pasting ideas and features will get you nowhere. So he predicted his own downfall, basically. And I don't think just because he consulted Josh Wardle about it that he can steal 
um, Worlds app. I mean, just because someone doesn't work with you doesn't mean you can take the work that they did and and port it to another location and call your own. Well, read me his read me that last bit again that you said uh, his earlier tweet about I hate copycats. Yeah, he said. Um, I absolutely despise copycats. Shameless copying is so dumb. Take inspiration from others. Why are they doing that? Why is this a good feature for users? How can we build on top of that? Shameless copy-pasting ideas or features will get you nowhere. Okay. I. Th- this is a very interesting point, and it's going to mm-hmm. um, w- serve as a nice little bridge to what I was really interested in this story, um, which was intellectual property. Right. Uh-huh. And so what I'm kind of getting, from, and I, mind you, I'm really, really, really reading between the lines here. So what I'm getting from him is a, a straight copy is bad. So grabbing right. the Mona Lisa and printing out a poster of the Mona Lisa, that's bad. Putting a mustache on the Mona Lisa, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> And I'm going to say, yeah. Zach, I can't argue with you too much. I mean, I can, but also I can't. I cannot. You cannot. Um, yeah, I don't know how many changes you need to make to something to make it something different than the original. Three. I don't have any idea how that works. Three? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. So I don't know if the fact that he was allowing people to guess many different types of Lengths of words? No, it was, I'm charging. That's the and difference. And charging. I'm charging money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of an asshole, it sounds like, from the things that he said. Uh, I mean, he's, he's a developer, and that might be part of the developer personality. Here comes the email. Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. But Josh Wardle seems like a good guy, and he's a little bit stressed out by the popularity of the game, um, but he takes comfort in the knowledge that his game has brought joy to people at a difficult time. He says, I get emails from people who say things like, hey, we can't see our parents due to COVID at the moment, but we share our Wordle results each day. During this weird situation, it's a way for people to connect in a low-effort, low-friction way. Well, but I want to hear more about intellectual property. Well, I'm going to say it, it's lovely that Wordle lovely. Uh, wants to help the world, I am really troubled by this uh, turning away of money because <laughs> it's money. He's like, a, I don't know what he does. He's some sort of developer too, I guess, but well, he just. I'm going to say, you know what? He, he's reminding me of Calvin and Hobbes creator, um, Bill Watterson. Watterson. Watterson? Yeah. Patterson? Yeah. No, Bill. I think it's, I don't know. Calvin and Hobbes. We know that for sure. Yeah. And yeah. like, he never licensed a. A, t- a stuffed tiger, which would have been so popular and huge. I would have bought one for sure, right? He, he, there were no t shirts, there was no nothing, right? He just didn't merchandise it. And it was because he wanted to keep it pure. And, and I love that, right? Um, yeah. And so that's cool. And so, Wordle, you are a better person than I am because I would have taken that money and run. I'm waiting for the call where someone says, Hey, I want to give you money. For your idea, great. So, I would find it hard to turn down that kind of money, too, especially yeah. if it was a million and a half dollars that Shaked could have made off of his his app, Wordle. And, you know, and I'll say, like, if it had been just a straight steal, mm-hmm. uh, if Zach had just, like, taken the idea and made, developed it so it could be in an app store and whatever, uh, change the color of the background, I'd be like, boo. But yeah. he reached out. I mean, his apologies are a different thing, right? But I mean, here yeah. I'm looking at like what happened. And so he reached out, he offered the guy money, he offered to share it with him. I mean, I think I think that's pretty cool. You can't steal someone's shit just because they don't want to work with you. No, are you? Sh- I mean, I'm sure. I'm having a hard time <laughs> grasping that concept. I mean, I think the only question here is whether the changes he made to the app were sufficient to make it a whole other thing. And I don't think and that not, they were. Because had they been, Apple would have been like, sorry, we're yeah, making that money. Yeah. Too bad for you, Wardle. Go right, out and hug Apple a tree. Because Apple money off of that too, right? Some of that fee goes oh, yeah, to they, Apple. There's a whole thing about how people hate working for, for with Apple's app store because of oh, yeah. the percentage they 
they take and they i forget off. what it is it's like 25 percent or something it's like it's a lot oh, well um maybe it's not that high i i don't know but um because i don't know let's say it's 75 percent sure say they take everything 99 yeah. yeah well why not whatever i believe it but yeah so app developers don't love working with apple because of that um yeah i don't know but it, it's interesting how this does parallel uh some of the i want i wanted to round the story out for me right yeah yeah and uh so yeah let's dive in okay all right so um our friend zach is not the only person to have improved stolen upon wordle. an existing an idea oh, stolen wordle <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, let's see. Um, all right, let's see here. Let's start with our favorite, the telephone, Alexander Graham Bell. Wow. On the morning of February 14th, which is Valentine's Day, hi, 1876, yeah. a representative for Alexander Graham Bell handed in a patent application, application, hi, tongue, to the patent office in Washington for an apparatus for transmitting vocal sounds via electricity lines. Hours later, on the same day, Elijah Gray made a new application to the same office for an apparatus for precisely the same purpose. Wow. The fact that both patent applications were filed on the same day was no coincidence. The two inventors were very well aware of each other's work, and when Gray heard about Bell's application, he hastened to submit his own. You can tell I'm reading. Um, that Bell was the first to submit his application was not a coincidence either. Uh, American professor of technology and historian David Hounshell has stated that Elijah Gray, who was the second guy to get to yeah. the patent office, yeah. had the disadvantage of being an expert. Gray was so wrapped up in the telegraph industry and its way of perceiving the world that he was not capable of seeing the potential in a completely new type of system. That's why he wasn't in such a hot rush to get down to the patent office oh. to put in his application first. Um, the president of the United States... Oh, wait. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, the president of the United States' largest telegraph company, Western Union High, still in business today, was equally incapable when Alexander Bell offered to sell him his telephone patent at the end of 1876. We're not interested in a scientific toy, was his answer to Bell. So Bell formed his own telephone company, the Bell Telephone Company, which is still around, but for, I mean, uh, for a while, maybe. it was the only telephone company. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, the Bell Company emerged victorious and had a monopoly in regard to the telephone in the U.S. right up into the middle of the 1890s. So oh. yippee for him. Um, so cool. Then we come down to, we'll just say the father of borrow, modify, grab all the credit. Mm -hmm. Thomas Edison. Hmm. And many of Edison's inventions. Hmm. Uh, and I am scrolling through the 15 pages and we'll just not do all 15 pages. So um, light bulbs had existed for about 50 years prior to Thomas Edison's uh, January 27th, which is really just a few days away. It's like 11 days away. Yeah. Um, 1880 patent in the U.S. So light bulbs have been around like... They've you been know, around running... but no one had patented them? Well, no, because they were kind of useless. So basically you just had these wires that you could hook up to electricity and the wires would catch on fire a little bit. Um, it would add some light and cool because <laughs> of fire. That's not safe. But it wasn't really fire as much as it was like electricity sparking and creating okay. light, right? Yeah. And and, and fires because there were electrical sparks showering uh, yeah. everywhere. Um, okay. So Joseph Swan, a British inventor, obtained the first patent for the light bulb. So you had mm -hmm. these wires and you could hook them up to electricity and they would spark oh. and give you stuff. So he's the guy oh. that was like let's stick them in glass and kind of contain oh. those sparks. And then because there's oxygen in the glass and the spark can catch on fire, let's try and vacuum out the oxygen. Right. And then, right. aha, look at what I, I have invented sort of a light bulb thing. Cool. So Joseph Swan, who's British patented his light bulb one year before Thomas Edison 
in the wow. UK. Um, Swan even publicly unveiled his carbon filament light bulb in Newcastle, England, roughly about 10 years before Edison uh, put in his application. So Swan had been playing with the light bulb for about 10 years and at one point had a public demonstration in Newcastle that was like, look, everybody, it's electricity, wow. but you can see. Amazing. Um, Swan's initial carbon filament electrical lighting and his preliminary designs appeared in an article published in Scientific American. And Thomas Edison saw those designs and Bastard. read that article and was like, here's kind of what you're missing about this light bulb thing. And so he took the design and tweaked it and then went and uh, patented in America. So Swan found out about it because Edison made like started making some money off of this. And Swan took Edison to court in the UK. And the UK court said, yeah, sorry, Edison. Um, you didn't invent the light bulb. You stole this guy's idea and you like made one or two tweaks to it. And you have to make three yeah. for it to legally be. No, I made that up. I was um, going to say, that is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> um, so, uh, Britain said, you got to give, you not only have to give him credit, he's got to be your half partner in your British company. So, oh, wow. Uh, so, we had in the UK the Edison and Swan United Electric Company. In America, Edison had his own electric company, right? Uh -huh. uh, Edison eventually bought Swan out. Uh -huh. And so cool. And then Edison set up a, a distribution system of electricity in New York City and started selling light bulbs. They didn't catch on. Fire. Well, yeah, thank you. That was actually good. <laughs> I was trying, I was working on it like a joke with lit and it's like, oh, that's too obvious and too stupid. And whatever, Theo. Um, okay. So why weren't people initially interested in electricity, right? Well, it wasn't really electricity coming into the home to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, and so you had to pay to have the wires brought into your house and that cost money. And so sure. it was a thing, right? And then you had to have your home rewired and all that. And the bulbs still weren't incredibly safe, right? They still right. could explode, shoot off sparks. And you had just electricity in the house now and that's scary, right? Yeah. Um, and new. so cool. So... Um, I just, I'll read this paragraph, even though I've just shared all this with you, because I found it funny. Were people initially resistant to using electricity? Yes, it was very dangerous and people understood that. The only thing that might have been more dangerous was the system of gas lights that people were already <laughs> using. So oh. people were drawn to electric light, hoping it would be safer. Lots of people were electrocuted in the early days, both oh. innocent bystanders and those working for the companies. It took quite a long time for people to quit sticking their fingers in light sockets. No, it took quite a long time <laughs> for people to put electricity into their homes. All right, cool. Wow. How you know, we still have gas lights in our home. In your current home? Yeah, from oh. back in the whenever when it was built. Um, they, they, they work, but they're kind of sketchy. I would love that. You're... Two fireplaces, gas lights. <laughs> it sounds much nicer than it is. <laughs> no, I mean, that's a perfect Victorian. That is yeah, that is my is dream home. When I say, like, you're fancy, I mean, I love We're your super home. super fancy. Super fancy. I would pay so much money to have, I guess I would, because I'd have to buy your house and it would be expensive for me. <laughs> but the idea I'll sell it to you for just twice what it's worth. <laughs> Um, well, I just started working, so watch out. Give me about All 25 right. years. And I'll save up and I'll be buying your house. <laughs> then I'll call it my house. Um, okay, so how did the light bulb contribute to the development of an industrial economy? It, In one important way, it extended the workday. Thank you, light bulbs. Thank yeah, you. Right. Thanks right. a lot. Now we all have to work all the time. <laughs> all the time into the night. Yeah. Factory owners began to realize that they could get a lot more mileage out of their capital investment in electricity and light bulbs um, if they could keep their machines running into a second shift and even a third shift. It made the 24-hour mm. day delivery system possible, which mm. made a huge difference in terms of accelerating the economy and is basically the foundation of our modern consumer economy. All right. So Addison kind of copy-pasted the and made a tweak to a light bulb and you know, boo, Edison, you're evil, you're evil genius. He's a true American. Um, Edison had created an idea factory, a little bit like, remember Andy Warhol's art 
factory, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. you call that, right? So yeah, sort of exactly. the same thing. He hired a bunch of inventors to come and work for him, and he owned their ideas, right? Mm-hmm. So they would tackle a problem, and people would come at it from all different angles. And and I'll save it because um, I found all this interesting. Uh, clearly, I found it all interesting because I am telling it, it to you. It's yeah. what's more than interesting. Fascinating. Fascinating. It's electric. It's riveting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, so what made Edison ultimately successful was not, he was not a lone inventor, a lone genius, but rather the assembler of the first research and development team in the world. Wow. Edison patented a record-setting 1,093 different inventions. Damn. On a single day in 1888, he wrote down 112 ideas. Average across his adult life, he patented something roughly like 11 inventions a day. Um, there was the light bulb, the phonograph, and the kinetoscope, which later became a motion picture camera, the dictating machine, the alkaline battery, and the electric meter, plus a sap extractor, a talking doll, the world's largest rock crusher, an electric pen, a fruit preserver, and a tornado-proof house, which I want to see, because I guess they didn't work, because, hi. Yeah, we would have them now. Right, yeah. (laughs) Not all the inventions worked or made money. Duh, looking ah. at you, tornado-proof house. Um, <laughs> Edison never got anywhere with his ink for the blind, whatever okay. that was meant to be, his concrete furniture, <laughs> um, his failed inventions in mining lost him several fortunes, but he founded more than 100 companies, employed thousands of assistants, engineers, machinists, and researchers. At the time of his death, according to one estimate... About $15 billion of the national economy derived from his inventions alone. Damn. Right? Uh, He was a household name because his name was in every household. It was on appliances. It was on phonographs. It was everywhere, right? Uh, He basically, one could say, uh, took credit for, he didn't take credit. We we could give him credit for the birth of modernity, in terms of our how we live today, right? Yes. All right. So, while still in his teens, he had bought a portable letterpress and started printing his own newspaper aboard a moving train, filling <laughs> two sides of a broadsheet with local news. Um, its circulation rose to about 400 a week, and Edison took over much of the baggage car. He also built a small chemistry laboratory there, too. I want to <laughs> know how this teenager got to commandeer half of a train car. Why was he on a train in the first place? His mother and kicked him out of the house. So I guess maybe, but Well, yeah. I mean not not forever. She right. kicked she kicked his chemistry lab out of the house She's because like, there out. were too many explosions in the play. basement. Exactly. So he got on a train and started go somewhere safe. A newsletter. All right, get, Edison, you go. Get on a train filled with strangers unsupervised <laughs> and go through different towns with people getting on and off the train and what Sweet. what could happen to you? Um, but yeah, so this bit, I'm just like, how the fuck did he get a train car? And like, but yeah. whatever this, thank you, New York Times um, or New Yorker. Okay, so one day Edison saw a station, again, lazy writing from God, wouldn't believe it if I saw it uh, in a movie. One day, Edison saw a station master's young son playing on the tracks and pulled the boy to safety before an oncoming train could crush him. Uh. As a reward, the father, the station manager, taught Edison Morse code and showed him how to operate the telegraph machines. Uh. Uh, and then, basically, one uh, one day, Edison's chemistry lab exploded on the train car, and he yeah. got kicked off. Right. So goodbye, newspaper. Goodbye, moving chemistry lab. Right. Whatever. Right. Yeah. And uh, he had to get a job as a telegraph operator, but he could because he knew how to operate it. And right. So, all right. Cool. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Well, all right. Whatever. This came in handy that summer when Edison's lab caught fire and the conductor kicked him off the train. Forced out of newspapering, Edison spent the next few years as a telegraph operator for Western Union and other companies, taking jobs wherever he could find them, Indiana, Ohio, Tennessee, Kentucky. 
He had time to experiment on the side, and he patented his first invention in 1869, an electric vote recorder that eliminated the need for roll call by instantly tallying votes. Sounds like what we use today, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. It worked so well that no legislative body wanted to buy it because it left no time for lobbying amid all the yays and nays. So they did a voice count and then people would wow. run around while they're doing the voice count like, are you really going to vote against this? You need to wow. vote yes. I'll sleep with your sister if you... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. No, I'll... All right. Um, I don't want to lose, lose sight of Edison. Um, okay. All right. Cool. All right. I'll tell you. We had work... Total sidebar here. We had a work okay. call... Um, I was on a call with a company in the Philippines. There were 10 of us. And uh, one of my colleagues has moved over to uh, a new role with a nonprofit organization, which is amazing. And they're working on uh, working um, to prevent human trafficking, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I was explaining that, and I said sex trafficking instead. And uh-huh. what I said was, she's working on sex trafficking. <laughs> Whoops. No. <laughs> Sorry, I sorry. It's sorry for the sidebar. Back to Thomas Salva Edison. Um, okay. All right. So the failure with the whole voting lobbying, we don't want your machine, right? Uh, left Edison with a real, real like Wah! feeling. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It yeah, like sure. That. Understand. It left him with a bitter taste in his mouth, if if yes. you will, right? Um, So that failure cured Edison of any interest in invention for invention's sake. From then on, he cultivated a test, a taste for the practical and the profitable, right? That's smart. So, oh, doing things to help people. Well, that's not so great. And I came up with this invention all on my own. Why don't I steal something that's already working and just make it better and I'll make money, right? So, all right, cool. In 1875, um, he bought 30 acres not far from Newark and began converting the property into what he liked to call his invention factory. It was organized around a two-story laboratory with chemistry experiments on the top floor and a machine shop below. Workshops had been around for a really long time, but Edison's was the world's first research and development facility, a model that would later be adopted by governments, universities, and rival corporations. Menlo Park, as it came to be known, was arguably Edison's most significant invention since it facilitated so many others by allowing for the division of problems into discrete chemical, electrical, and physical components, which teams of workers could solve through theory and then experimentation before moving directly into production. Um, This is a straight read uh, out of The New Yorker, and so I'm real sorry for uh, stealing all of this, but I also just felt like God, it's so interesting, and I would do a great disservice to to the information around Edison if I put it in my own words, because I'm not good with words. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> shaked. You're a writer. I point to shaked right now. <laughs> shaked. Okay, so uh, we're we're getting closer to the we're, yeah we're near the end. Um, Edison not only rhymed perspiration with inspiration, he also talked endlessly about his experiments and trials, emphasizing just how much work went into every discovery. Unlike his one-time employee and sometime rival, Nikola Tesla, Edison insisted that answers came not from his mind, but from his laboratory, meaning his Mm. workers, really. But Mm -hmm. um, I never had an idea in my life, he once said. My so-called inventions already existed in the environment. I took them out. I've created nothing. Nobody does. There's no such thing as an idea being brain-born. Everything comes from the outside. Hmm. All right. feels a little bit like what Zach said in his rather uh, interesting apology, which I can't wait to get back to. Um, So in that conviction, Edison was perhaps ahead of his time. Three decades after Edison died, a sociologist put forward a theory concerning simultaneous invention, or what he called multiple discoveries. You think of Newton and Leibniz coming up with calculus independently but concurrently. I never took calc, so I don't know anything about that. Or Charles Darwin and Alfred Russell Wallace thinking their way to natural selection at nearly the same time. 
or inventors in Spain, Italy, and Britain sorting out steam engines within a few decades of one another. Um, yes, so in Merton's terms, multiples are more common than singletons, meaning people just jointly having a similar idea. Right. I know you understood that. Why do I have to mansplain it to you? Um, <laughs> Uh, which is to say that discovery and invention are rarely the product of one person. The problems of the age attract the problem solvers of the age, all of whom work more or less within the same constraints and avail themselves of the same existing theories and technologies. So interesting to me that our famous inventor, Thomas Alva Edison, never really came up with an invention on his own. He just simply took what was out there and modified it and made it better, which, of course, is what Zach was saying he was trying to do. Loads of people hate Edison. They, they'll call him um, a theft. A theft? A thief. Thief? A thief. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, the stupid ones will call I him a theft. I didn't know any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, looking right at the camera at me. Um so, yeah, so if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear Zach's um, tweet apology again, because it starts off it starts off great, and then it goes places. Well, he said, um, I realized I crossed the line, and I surely, surely will never do anything remotely close to this again. I fucked up, which is fine. That's a fine, you know, that's, that's, that's a reasonable start to an apology. Tons of respect. But, that's a good solid seven. Yeah, but then he starts to say... This was the perfect storm to publicly crucify me for something that is common. In a week, my app would have looked totally different and had way more functionality beyond what original dude did. Getting mad that I charged a $30 subscription that thousands of people were willing to pay is just bananas. This is how businesses work. You charge money. If it's too much, people won't pay. In this case, many people were willing to start a trial. I was really, yes, I was really fucking excited when I saw how many downloads it was getting and how much money it could make. I made zero dollars off of it and actually lost money. So nobody got fucked here other than me, basically. So, you know, I, I, if he lost money, he probably lost like 30 bucks or something. I don't know, but um, I wouldn't think that he lost very much. Let's say it was 30 bucks. Right. So, um, so that's his quote apology. Um, I think that if we look into the apology, we can confirm for ourselves what we suspect from the beginning, that there's not a very good one. Um, was there an expression of regret? Um, not uh, really. Kind of. Kind of implied, really yeah. More regret that he fucked up, that he, that he didn't make money out of it like he thought he was going to, rather than regret that he did anything wrong. So he never said, I'm sorry, Josh Wardle, that... I stole your app or that, you know, I, the perception can exist that I stole your app. He never said, you know, you did, you made this great app and I thought it was fantastic and I wanted to steal it and make money off it. Yeah. Um, but I'm sorry that I did that. And, you know, I shouldn't have, he didn't say that at all. He was just like, yeah, I crossed a line. I won't do this shit again. Um, so I wouldn't say there was any real expression of regret or explanation of what went wrong. There was certainly no acknowledgement of responsibility. I mean, he did say that he crossed the line, but I don't think he really acknowledges what he did. I don't know. What do you think? No, he's blaming everybody else for not understanding mm -hmm. how business works and how, you know, don't blame me. Well, honey, the reason everybody's looking at you is because you're the one to blame. <laughs> you're the one that did it. <laughs> yeah, I know you don't want the blame. I get that. But, right. you know, yeah, it he, was he you. He certainly didn't declare repentance at all. So he didn't say he was. He didn't say he was sorry. He never said he was sorry or anything like it. Um, he didn't make any kind of offer of repair. He didn't say, um, you know, I'll post some. I don't know what he could, how he could repair what he did, but he didn't offer to do it. Well, what I'm liking is because you know I I went to this place where it was like, okay, you know what he could have done is he could have apologized better and they could have said. You know, all the money I've, the money that I spent, I'm using the money I earned to cover my expenses, but uh -huh. all the profits going to, and then, you know, fill in the blank, right? Right. Going to yeah. apologies accepted the podcast. Um, <laughs> For their important work. But he was real careful to put out there that like, not only did he not make any money, he lost money. Yeah. So don't come to him and say, oh, make a donation to libraries around the world or whatever. Right. 
So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. No offer of repair and no request for forgiveness. No, so, and a little bit of blaming. A little, a little bit of blaming, a lot of blaming, um, and a lot of accusing people of not understanding how business works. So it's just funny, I think. But fair um, enough. I, I, I don't understand how business works, but. <laughs> well, I don't think it's just charging money. I don't think that's all there is to it. Um, so <laughs> I would give this apology, faux apology, faux apology, um, a one. Oh, cool. Okay, because I'm going to give it a point five. Uh, And and I had thought of that before you gave it a one. So this time you're nicer than I am. That's funny. I was just thinking it's not, (laughs) it's not, (laughs) it's not bad on the level of child abuse or something. But we're not thinking about what happened. We're thinking about the apology. So, so, okay. Okay. It's a one. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say this, his, Zach's character um, is, I'm going to say, he sounds like he's a cool guy. I like that he reached out initially before all this happened and uh-huh. it gave Wardle, uh, I don't want to say an opportunity to join in, but it was like, hey, I'm going to steal your idea. Let me pay mm-hmm. you for it. Right? What feels yeah, let me fair give you a little you? bit of money. Let me give you $100,000 so I can make a million and a half. Well, unless I know somebody who who bought an idea for, um, for some money. And yeah. of course, because that's how you buy things is with money. I guess you could do it with sexual <laughs> favors too, but- this instance, it was money, and um, turned around and uh, did something, did something with that idea, yeah, yeah. and then later sold that thing for, for a, a lot. lot more money. And yeah, uh, yeah it's fair. Uh, that you know, that's how it works. I guess that's how business works. That's how business works, Juliet. <laughs> Don't you know? Uh, you heard Zach. <laughs> so yeah, uh, point five, point seven five for that apology. So good at math. I don't know why we pretend you're not. <laughs> it's just Juliet math. I would have. Can I do a one point? Oh, yeah, that would be 1.5. I can add. I can't. 0. 0.5. Do you need some help? Would it be point? Yeah, because you have a one and I did a half. What did I say? 0. 0.75. Okay. Three quarters. It'd be half. Yeah. It'd be 50%. No, you already gave 0. 0.5. Uh-huh. So 0.5 and 1. <laughs> I'm so fucking average. lost. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm right. So let's just leave it where it is. It's a very poor apology. We could say that. <laughs> it's a terrible apology. Um, and, and we would like to also personally say hi to Josh Wardle for creating such a great fun game. Thanks, Josh Wardle. We like you. Um, so who's sorry now or apologies expected? Do you have one I, of those? I have. It's a who's sorry now. Uh, awesome. I yes, love those. And it was going to be an apology expected. And it was a Boris Johnson thing, but I'm like, nah, because, pardon? Ooh, I said. Oh, ooh, I thought you said who. I was like, oh, let me tell you. I know. I know who he is. Um, <laughs> I know who he is. So, uh, it is a who's sorry now. And I will take you back to eighth grade Theo. Okay. And his English class, when okay. his teacher had made an assignment, which was all the students should invent their own game and oh. then bring your game to class and we're all going to play each other's games. Oh, God. Right? And then I was going to say said professor and that's not it. And then that teacher got sick and was, was gone. And so a new teacher came in and she had her own class Plus, she was watching our class, right? Mm-hmm. And so, she, and whatever, our teacher was gone for like six weeks or something. I I, okay. I forget why or what, but I know she was gone. And so, uh, so the new teacher had us complete the invent a game. I'm so. How old are you in the like eighth grade? Thirteen. Like Thirteen. Sure. Hey, kid, invent a game, and you're going to get graded on it. Yeah. Kind of not fair. I get no. how fun that should be. And I really love that that English teacher. I, I remember her name. I remember her class. Uh, uh-huh. Loved her. But, um, and I think under her, it would have been different. Anyway, so I took a Monopoly. I couldn't figure out what to do. So I took a Monopoly yeah. game and then I turned it into like gods and goddesses. But it was mm-hmm. essentially Monopoly mm-hmm. with pictures of gods and goddesses taped on the board. Right. Okay. So... Because I drew the board and all that, and drew cards. And uh-huh. and uh, when I got the comment back from the fill-in teacher, mm. it was, the most interesting thing about this game is 
the cards. And admittedly, I worked real hard on the cards, mm-hmm. but but like I got a D or something, Aww. you know, which had never happened in the history of like ever. I had uh-huh. it was the lowest grade I'd ever gotten at that up to that point. There've been lower grades <laughs> yeah. since, yeah. Yeah. Um, high anatomy. I'm looking at you. Um, so yeah, she owes me an apology because and and the substitute teacher slash the fill in teacher, she had her class play our games as well. And that feels real unfair to me because it's one thing to like, oh, you design a game and then we'll all play it in the room yeah. with you. Everyone's going to be right. nice to you to your face, right? Right. But they get some other crappy kids from some other horrible classroom to play your game and then mock <laughs> it. Fuck those kids. Um, Did so, they judge it or in any way? Like Partially, yes. Oh, that's terrible. It is awful. And and there were like loads of comments, but I only remember her comment because I didn't care about the comments of my peers because fuck them. Um, right. But- you know, yeah, to have a teacher say, like, the only interesting thing about this game was the cards, which admittedly I had worked real hard on, um, you know. That's harsh. What the, what the fuck are you expecting? I know, right? You want I me couldn't to... come up with a game now. I'd be either. I would take a Monopoly game and I would put, I'd like. I'd rip off Wordle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So, anyway, I would like an apology from that teacher. Uh, whose name I don't remember, dis- discarded it with the refuse of time. Yeah, um, I think you deserve an apology from that teacher. Let's imagine that I got one. She's okay, outside good. right now, banging on my front door. I'm begging so you sorry. For forgiveness. The game is really good. <laughs> and you were only 13. You spelled his festus wrong. That was the only thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, what about you? Apologies expected or who's sorry now? Apologies expected. And um, what happened was one night in San Francisco this past September, um, a woman named Margarita Becker and her husband took a approximately one mile yellow cab ride to a rooftop restaurant for his birthday. She paid for the cab ride via a credit card um, using the driver's PayPal terminal because the cab's built in thingy couldn't read her card. So the meter showed a fare of $7.90, and she added a 25% tip for a total of $9.87. A few days later, her credit card bill arrived, showing a charge of $9,875. To make a long story short, she argued with Yellow Cab, the cab driver, and Bank of America for three months via phone, email, fax, regular mail, and tweets before the local newspapers got involved. And when the local newspapers got involved, Bank of America decided not to charge her. But, I mean, it was an obvious mistake. It should have been resolved immediately. The cab driver didn't want to give the money back, and they couldn't make him. So for a while, the bank was saying that this is a, this is a reasonable charge. You know, you signed the receipt, because she had actually signed a receipt for it, I guess. But she, well, she signed something. She signed the built-in or the PayPal terminal. Uh-huh. But I guess she didn't look and see what the amount was. So they said it was her fault. Ooh. But that's obviously bullshit. So, I mean, that that's tough, right? Because it's one thing to say, oh, you signed the receipt and the receipt showed $9,000 when maybe yeah. it should have been $9.87. Yeah. So I think I would notice something like that. But had they been drinking beforehand? Um, was she wearing her glasses? Um, how busy was she? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I would have noticed. I mean, a lot of the times when you take Uber, they don't even give you any kind of receipt. You don't sign anything. They just charge you what they think it's worth and you you get billed for it. So Well, you pay through the app or whatever. You pay Um, through the app, but you don't have to hit, yes, I accept this charge. It just gets billed to you. Right. Okay. So she paid it through PayPal? Well, so she she um, was using Yellow Cab, so it wasn't Uber. It was Yellow Cab, and she paid them through the PayPal terminal in the cab. Um, but the meter showed 987. Well, so she thought she was signing for 987. And Yellow Cap says it all right there. <laughs> They're the, and I'm going to go on record. They're the worst. I hate Yellow Cab so much. Do you? I do. I used to love Yellow Cab. Um, what happened? What happened was we moved to Austin. Mm. And prior to moving to Austin, Yellow Cab was. Wonderful, but in Manhattan where you wave it down and you yeah. jump in the back and then you go yeah. wherever and you talk to the cabbie and um I was dating a guy that's a long story, dating a guy in Manhattan and yeah. we jumped into a taxi and the driver's driving and um I 
was asking the cab driver, do you have to take a test to become a cab driver outside of a driver license, right? Yeah. And yeah, you have to, you back in the day, pre-GPS, you had yeah. to study every road in roads. Manhattan. Like in London. Yeah. yeah. And then you have to like answer questions about what's the shortest road, what's, what's uh, how do you spell this, how do people pronounce it, whatever, right? So cool. And it was fascinating. And I've always loved Yellow Cab. And then we moved to Austin and like call Yellow Cab to come pick us up because we're going to go out and have dinner and we're going to have a few drinks. So grab a cab. And they never before showed up. Uber. Never, yeah. ever showed up. Or 45 yeah. minutes later, right? Yeah. And it's so frustrating, so awful. Um, so I'm not surprised that Yellow Cab had a, uh, what do you just want to say, a mistake that they were like, yeah. well, she paid for it. She signed it. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm expecting an apology from Bank of America for making her go through this three-month thing that should have been um, obvious. I mean, you know, there's not going to be a taxi ride. A $9,000 9, fare. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. So that's my apology expected. And if we see one, I will let everyone know. Oh, it's not even solved yet. I thought the I was waiting for this conclusion of like, and well, Bank of America did decide not to charge her finally after the local newspaper got involved, but there's been no apology. So, well, as Thomas Alva Edison would tell you, it always <laughs> takes a newspaper to get things started. He was a teenage <laughs> newspaper would, guy, on that. he would. He just did. All right. <laughs> all right. That's it for me. What you got? Anything else? Oh, no, I'm all done. I'm out of words right. for today. <laughs> We're out of words. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, so, everybody. We have such a hard time ending this show. It's always like, um, <laughs> that's okay, bye. But yeah, <laughs> you know what, everybody? Okay, bye. We'll see you next week. <laughs> bye. Bye. to Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at ApologiesAccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted. And on Instagram at Apologies.Accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>